0: Welcome to Relatable AF with Heather and Steph. We are just two best friends navigating their self help past, present day issues, affinity for real housewives and pop culture, and other smart girl shit.
1: And before we get started in this episode, we want to make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And you also share this with a friend because life is just better with friends. That's why we're doing this. And so, with that, let's get into our first episode All About Us. So, we're going to get started with our, I guess this is what, our second episode? Yes. Of Relatable AF with Heather and Steph. And this episode, is probably no surprise to any of you all because we are going to be talking about Rachel Hollis but not so much about Rachel more about kind of our journey of meeting Rachel what it looked like for us to be in Rachel's world and kind of consuming her content and her Oh we got messages. sucked in. Oh, you, you really I don't want to call you out cuz you're going to tell your story but you went really deep. I I'm, I had I had a Jason. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But so we're going to walk through our journeys, like how we got there and then how we got out. So we we really felt like former fans weren't sharing their process. It was a lot of people commenting on what happened with Rachel, but not enough people who were in the Hollis hole as our friend and author, Jen Sterling, um, coined it. So that's how we're going to start. So I'm going to let you start Heather with kind of the entry of like, how did you find Rachel? Like, how did you get into Rachel?
0: So I was, I want to say it was twenty, early 2018 and I was scrolling on audible as one does trying to find the next book. I ended up in self-help. I don't know how, but two books popped up. It was Mel Robbins, five second rule and Rachel Hollis girl, wash your face. And I believe I read the five second rule first, but Rachel pulls you in with her stories. She really, especially girl, wash her face. It was really a, um, a really good pull into, listen, I'm just like you. I've been there. I've done that. And the idea that there's just a bunch of big lies that I believe. And if I just get over those big lies, my life's going to be wildly better. Um, it must've been later that I probably four months into reading her is when I ended up getting trapped in 2018 when I got trapped into watching the morning shows. Cause once you get tied into these, um, especially self-help gurus or motivational speakers that have parlayed into influencer or vice versa, there's an endless amount of content. You can yeah. always go somewhere else to scratch the itch of motivation that you need, because once you get in, you feel like that's all you need. I just need a little bit more motivation to get through the day, a little bit more motivation to check this off my list. So that's that's how I got sucked in, was just that one book, listening to it on a run, realizing that my life was just compiled of a bunch of lies that if I just, if I just
1: listened to her and removed them, my life was going to be worlds better. What yeah. about you? It's quite a sell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For me, I, uh, so this is funny because people have mentioned this before, but I was in an MLM. I didn't know I was an MLM. It was Beachbody. My friend kind of recruited me to do like a workout program with her, but I got pitched that like, it's easier to be a coach than it is to, like, just go ahead and sign up and be like a seller, or a coach, then just be a participant because you pay around the same, but you get a lot more by being, but before I knew it, I was in an MLM, like I had an up one, I had all the things. And so the person that was like right above me, who was one of my really good friends. Now she sent me like a starter kit that was like, it had Rachel's book, girl, wash your face. So I got Rachel's got book it. and then like a binder full of like self-help stuff. And I um I think I read a lot as a kid, so as an adult I don't really enjoy reading, but I love like visual and audio content, which is why I love social media and YouTube and TikTok and all that. So I didn't read the book. Um I just found her. So I, you know, followed the Instagram, oh, like followed the stuff and then just kind of slowly watched her because the MLM was probably 2018. 2017, 2018, around that time. And so I she was just kind of in my algorithms, I'll say. Like she was just in my algorithms. I wasn't really intense about it. But then, you know, I had kind of an experience, like a traumatic life event, and we'll get into that in a second. But from there, I quit all of my jobs and I was just home, like figuring out things and like what I wanted to do next in my life. And then of course the algorithm serves her like right at the right time with right at the right met, like you're made for more. And I'm like, yes, I am. And right. then there you go. And then it's, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm watching the morning show and I'm, I'm devouring all the content, because if there's one thing that, like you said, those people are good at, it is delivering not un- endless content that you could binge all day. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I, it's kind of, she kind of trickled into my life. And then when I was, in a spot where I was really looking for something. It was like, Oh, here's Rachel. So, and I will say too, when I was,
0: uh, into when I first dipped my toe into this, I was a new entrepreneur just had come in to a partnership and wasn't necessarily feeling as confident about the place that I was in at that time, which is even more of a, a way to, um, I don't want to say prey, but a little, a little bit, it's, it's predatory in some ways that the most vulnerable of people fall for this the most. And my health wasn't the best, but we'll
1: also get into that in a minute. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of like the next transition. So what, what did it look like for you when you started going in kind of deep with Rachel, like trying to really dive in? It's so hard to parse out
0: what, what was trickling in and what was like full blown. So I think I downloaded the book 2018, early 2018, mid summer. And by the end of 2018, I was watching the morning show. And I remember watching at some point. So for those who don't know, Rachel and Dave, amongst other content they had, um, in fact, maybe we should go over this just for background information. Uh, Rachel had a podcast that she started, you know, years and years ago it was first called the dais podcast which a dais is like a a platform that a speaker speaks on she then called it the rise podcast that would come out on tuesdays Um, she started a chic media site in la that turned into the hollis company which was also a media company her husband dave moved out of his disney executive job to become the ceo and this was around 2018 they took the move to austin texas from la So at that time, they also were putting out marriage com, uh, marriage advice podcasts in um, somewhere around that time. And those would release on Thursdays. And every day, the two of them would go on for 30 minutes at like 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for 30 minutes and just talk. Sometimes it would be music. Sometimes it would be motivational. But it was content for the sake of content. You felt like you were having your morning coffee with two people that you trusted. That's really, it was, it was the height of parasocial relationships every day. You could count. I mean, you could count on them to be there more than people in your real life because they were always there. Um, Around that same time, they did market a marriage conference um, in Austin, Texas. I believe it was about 200 couples at a hotel. I attempted to swing that with my husband. I, I remember there were like three spots left and I was like, we could go, we could do this. And we didn't pull the trigger on that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I remember them being there and I remember, I remember it all. Um, I joined the last 90 days in 2018 and around that same time towards the beginning of the next year, that's really 2018 is really when her, um, Her social media following picked up. She was really starting to be well-known. She was giving uh, keynote speeches at a ton of MLM conferences and other conferences. And that's when she announced what I believe were her third and fourth RISE conferences in 2019, which was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That was in June. And then because of the high demand, those tickets sold out in a couple of minutes for Minneapolis. I ended up getting one. Um, then she announced that they were going to have one in Texas the following month because of the high demand. They were able to secure a second location. I sold my Minneapolis ticket, got a ticket to Dallas. And um, I mean, I was feet first in like I I bought the journals that she sold. I bought the planners, yeah. the really in my opinion, crappy clothes that she sold on. <laughs> um, and I, and, and another note, she did sell these journals that you would fill out every day and they were seasonal. So you had to buy them every three months because a new design would come out. Yes. Like I was all in. Was yes. All in. Um, yeah. What about you?
1: Well, it's interesting to hear you play that back because now I'm realizing how many, um, this is a I don't know another word for this, but like touch points that she was creating with her fans that on a daily basis would be building a relationship with her.
0: And in your, because of your uh, profession, you're able to probably see this from a more wide lens.
1: Right. So it's, it's, it's sometimes I wonder if she's really smart or if she isn't like, I, I go back and forth all the time of, is she really this smart and calculated or is she just kind of like, Oh, let's do this. And was it accidental? Was it accidental or was it like had a meeting and said, Oh, you know what? If I do these three months at a time and they need it for three more months and then they need it. And then by doing a daily practice, like they're engaging with me every day by doing a morning show, they're seeing me every day. Like I am building trust and building a relationship because just just like when you're dating, like the more you go on dates and the more, the more you build trust and the more you build a relationship and the more you talk to each other and you reinforce that trust every day, just reinforcing that trust with that person. So that then you get to a point because you were in 2018, I really dove in like late 2019 is when I dove in. And so for me, it was like, the, I loved the journals because I love journals. And so I, I like the structure of it. I always kind of didn't enjoy writing down five things I didn't have. <laughs> that kind of annoyed hey. me. 10 things you didn't have. We're oh, yeah, grateful for have. five
0: things. Yeah. We're grateful for five and then, then your ten. 10 goals. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't feel like a good way to start your day.
1: No, it was hindsight little... being twenty twenty. Yeah, hindsight. Yeah. And then I like got full in and then I started following like the whole network. So, and my let Tony, I was already kind of following Tony Robbins. My mom is very involved in self-help too. So we would do it together sometimes, like talk about these things together. So then I kind of grew up with Oprah and self-help and then you have rise virtual. And I remember seeing rise Toronto and be like, Oh my gosh, that looks amazing because I will say In terms of events, especially when you're looking at self-help events, like Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins events don't really care about you as a participant. (laughs) Like he won't take meal breaks. He won't take bio breaks. He won't take, I mean, he is like, you, I will start at seven tomorrow, even if we go to 1 a.m. tonight. And... When you look at the videos, I've never been to a physical one. I've been to a virtual one. But when you look at the videos, even if like, I'm not your guru or whatever, it's not aesthetically pleasing. They're not pretty events. But when I saw all the rise stuff, it's like they decorate the whole freaking center. It's so beautiful. It's an
0: Instagram background. The entire oh, it's thing. It's
1: amazing. And how many events do we go to as women in professional settings or whatever? And it's so stale. Like it, it's clearly not done by women. So that was another appeal of like, oh, my gosh, this looks designed for me. This is built for me. I am the target audience and I want to be there. So I saw Rise Toronto and then obviously 2020 pandemic March happened and she went to Rise Virtual and was like, oh, I can do this. So I did Rise Virtual. At the time, it was fun, but I remember not gaining much from it. Like It was just kind of a hype thing. But then I would left with nothing. It's like, what am I gonna right. do now? Like, what what do I do now with right. all of this? Like dumping of information and then processing it. And then um, I think I had told you this, but like I watched the morning show, but I could kind of tell she was being mean today. Then that kind of started turning me off. Like I was like, why is she being mean to him? Um, and he started doing the show alone a lot. I yes. don't know if you noticed, like, cause she was writing, which come to find out like hindsight is so 2020 because she was literally writing a book of didn't see that coming. And then the divorce, it's like, Oh my gosh, that's what was going on anyway. So we did rise virtual and I was so in it that like, I have a group, another group of friends that I used to work with in Texas and they are like, they're not anti-self-help, but they're just like, that's great. You're into that. Stephanie. We're good. Like I would send them all the stuff and they're like, "Eh," and we're good. And I'd be like, Oh, okay. I had convinced them to come with me in December. I don't know if you even remember this. Very few people talk about this, but I signed up for the half marathon in San Marcos, Texas for December. That was going to be attached to a rise conference. So I used to work at Texas state university with those women in San Marcos. So it was going to be a reunion for us. I got them to buy rise tickets. People who don't like self-help. I was like, we'll get rise tickets. We'll at least do rise together. And then I'll do the half marathon. And they're like, great, we'll cheer you on. So I was all signed up for December. So uh, when was Rise Virtual March? May? May. was May. Yeah. So from May, so I was hooked until December, which I think is also now looking back, like she had me hooked from March, you know, May to December with that kind of timeline. Like I'm committed, but everything got canceled. Well, I canceled the trip. Anyway, I got my money back. Her customer service was very nice. I will say that. Um, but yeah, so it was like that's how deep I went. Is that I started hooking in other people? It's almost like the people call self help an MLM, and that's how it very much like felt. Well, and that's
0: what I I I, I said that when I first got on TikTok is like Rachel Hollis and self help itself is like its own pyramid scheme because yeah, you ha- the answer is never in the material, in my opinion. No, the answer is constantly the next book, or at least it, it's perceived by me that way, because it's always, I put out this book and then I'm going to promote my friend's book because they promoted my book. And then you're yes. going to continue to follow me on social media. Um, but what you just hit on reminds me, and I, I think there's a video of me apologizing, like, oh, but I, I have an open apology to everybody that I bought, girl, wash your face, girl, stop apologizing, sent them the videos. The, I bought, when the journals first came out in late 2018, uh, Dave and Rachel joked about Journalgate because they had they were publishing them, but it was being published by a different source and it was being shipped by and it was a big fiasco. So no one was getting their journals. And they ended up doubling up the order for a lot of people that ordered early. So I had like a stack of 16 journals that I had. And I was handing them out to everybody. My brother-in-law got out of uh, rehab and I was like, oh, here, journal for you, journal for you, everybody. Everybody gets a journal. You get a journal. You get a book. I remember I was um, on a nonprofit board and our social media director was like, oh, I've still got it. I've got to read that book. And I remember being so proud that I had roped somebody else into this unique uh, relatable answer for all of us, and we were all going to find our best selves. Yeah. I was blind to it all.
1: Yeah. I, so I guess that goes to um, kind of the next thing of how involved were you with her products and stuff. Like you know, like I mentioned, rise and some of the journals. But I mean, I think your story is very fascinating in this regard of of how much you uh, what consumed. I,
0: I wish I would could go back and see how many of her books I purchased because I would purchase her books on Audible. And I know this is just like scratching the surface. Her books in paper form, one to write on. Like I said, when they first came out with journals, which is when I first started purchasing from her, I probably bought eight to 10. They doubled up that order. I would purchase a couple every launch because there was a very, um, they did very good scarcity marketing where it was, you know, this is only going to be available until it's gone. And like, oh, we're hinting at the new covers, even though the pages inside, everything was the same. The same. Nothing was different.
1: No. And 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 you could do it in your own journal without it. Like you
0: didn't even need it. You didn't need it. This is not Van Gogh. We're not buying Birkins.
1: They're not appreciating in value. So, but when you're in the cults, it was cool to have like the new design. Right. Like it was right. cool. And then when they were in target, it was even more fun. Cause I remember and going to target, you
0: were much more likely to get shared by Rachel Hollis or the start today brand. If you wrote in it Post. and that was mm-hmm. extremely well marketed by Rachel and the team of like, share your journal with us, or we want to repost you on our social media or you hashtag start today or hashtag, uh, hashtag today. Rachel Hollis. And she, she commented on one of my posts at one point and it was like, oh my God, she sees me. And so much of what she pushed was because there's such a through line in a lot of her audiences stories. A lot of us do deal with similar things, um, stuff that she wrote about, right. This isn't unique stuff that all of us deal with, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah being women in the workplace, dealing with parenting issues, dealing with family members, whatever it may be, being married, like being maybe, marriage, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dating, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you always felt seen by the answers that she was giving. You always mm-hmm. felt like you were, you may not be talking directly to her, but what you're saying in these journals or what you're saying in these, um, in social media posts, like what she's saying back, if you feel heard. So, yeah moving forward, uh, aside from just sharing the heck, I mean, I went so far as to, po- I think it might still be on my Instagram as to like, tell people if they bought the journal, I would reimburse them $5. If they would, I was, I, 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 yeah, I I was really in.
1: So then I, I, I and- have, I will say I have scrolled your old Instagram and I, I cringe for you. I'm I'm just like, Oh, but I purposely have not taken them down. No, you shouldn't. Cause I look back and I'm like, I mean, I what this is, what's funny is I, I struggle posting on my own social media, but uh, as a social media manager, but if I had been posting, I post a lot on stories. If I go back and look at stories, I have all the posts you have on your Instagram. I have in a story. Like I've done in an Instagram story. I've done the exact same thing in an Instagram story. Like when I was walking, I would do my my Instagram story of like I'm on my walk today. Like I'm getting, I'm moving for 30 minutes. Like I'm I'm start today. Look at me with my Rachel Hollis hat. Like I was going. So oh, the hats. Yeah. The oh, <laughs> I still have the hats. You do. And I one of away. them I threw everything just... away. I couldn't, I was mad. I get mad and I crash yeah. things and we'll get to why. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I still have, uh, the hats, but none of them say Hollis. The closest one I have has a big H, but my name is Heather. So I'm going to play it.
1: Oh, nice. Way. I think I had so, start today. Was that one of them? Um, no. or maybe, but I don't think I, I had don't that know. one. I threw it so away. When so when I, I bought remember. the ticket
0: to rise, I decided that despite not being able to afford a hotel, a flight and a VIP $2,000 ticket, talk to my husband. I was like, I I gotta do this. I got, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. And I went. And while I was there, I bought the necklaces, which by the way, were the worst piece of crap jewelry ever. They (laughs) broke instantly. Um, Oh, the coaching, which was about a thousand dollars for the year. Um, the books, the journals, the hats, the clothing, um, I mean, all in after everything, I estimate I was about $10,000 deep in
1: her brand. Yes. And I, I think you're probably in like the top 5% of her customer base, like customer system. Like, I mean, conservatively 10%, I would say, but yeah. Yeah. Unless if you had started your journey earlier with her, then probably would be in the top 5%. (laughs) But yeah, and another
0: element that we haven't even touched on is she had a whole community was such a big part of her brand. And that was one of the biggest tie-ins and the biggest pull-ins for me is that even if I can't get Rachel, we have the made for more group. Yes. We can go to Facebook and yes. we have like-minded people who may not think, look, act, uh, vote, pray the same, whatever her line was, but we've got people that we can go to.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cause we had a, like a rise virtual group. I know you had a rise Dallas group. And even I noticed on the morning show, you would look for people. It's kind of the same. I mean, the same thing has happened with your TikTok, right? Like when you go live people, right. like I noticed your other moderators, like we have our own little community of people that are constantly in there. And we've built Talk our to each own, other. yeah, we've built a community based off of it. There's nothing wrong with that, but that was also part of the through line. And we are going to do a part two and part two will be uh, talking about other people's stories and the Hollis stories now, like getting people up to date with what's going on with the Hollises. And I think, but I will say one of the things I've noticed in reading the stories from posting in the subreddit to even just the stories that come up on your TikTok the through line was community, right? That we is were, the one commonality. Like everyone may have come from different places. Most of us in vulnerable places, but not all, uh, but most of us, that through line of community is something that, um, I think you and I, as we are doing this podcast is something we take seriously. Absolutely. I take, like, I, I was just talking about
0: our TikTok community the other day. And I, I said, I thank I thank God for what that is because it's not very negative. Um, it's not even really snarky to be super honest. It's people, it's just a really cool community. It's a really yes. cool community. Yeah. Um, really so,
1: so that was kind of a tangent, but back to kind of the product. So that's, so you were pretty deep, <laughs> pretty steep. And I think it's interesting to point out how it's, I tried to deal with my emotions with this, which is, trying not to be mad at myself, resentful of her because I didn't have the money either. And I was, you know, pulling resources, whatever I could to buy this stuff, because I thought it would help me out of my current situation. Because I thought if I got help for where I was feeling and where I was currently at, then my finances would flourish like that was kind of the seed that got planted in my head. Whereas like, if I can figure out my next job or my next business, like starting my own business and just Googling things and figuring it out. And then, then, you know, you know what the money will come. And so this will be worth it. This is an investment because once I figure out my mental blocks and my problems like then on the other side of this I am going to be so madly successful I'll be on stage with Rachel and I will be like I am a millionaire I have achieved my 10 goals like right my my I fly private is amazing I fly private like all this stuff that you know the pandemic really showed isn't important (laughs) um but still like it's just fascinating how it is kind of a similarity of like, I don't know, uh, like a lot of people didn't have the money, but we did it because we thought she was going to provide us. And we were marketed to, as if this was going to help. And I think that's the hard part. Um, so I guess, oh, this, this is something we had put down that I think is important to touch on is like, how did it change us?
0: So one thing that you just touched on that I want to start at, is a lot of people have asked me how I, I especially after I started my TikTok and started talking about Rachel Hollis, is how I, as a presumably successful attorney in a good spot, you know, in my level of life, how would I get sucked into this? And I think it's really important that we all understand that we have some vulnerability. And what you just touched on is that, like, it there was a sale to us that we were not at all aware of at the time we were really just trying. And all of us have that, that, that vulnerability. We just all do. Mm-hmm. And it's being aware of it and then not getting sucked in. It's really important. But I think it's really important that we don't have any shame attached to it at all because yeah.
1: it's yeah. not our fault. No. And the more I work in social media, the more I'm like, it is intentional. Right. It's intentional for people who want to make revenue over actually helping people. It's intentional. And one
0: thing that Rachel and Dave, after one of their masterminds, I remember being on their morning show and listening to them say this is they have this, they had this mindset at the time of if there's a dollar on the table, you don't know how the next person is going to use that dollar. Are they going to donate that money to charity? Are they going to do bad things with that dollar? You know what you're going to do with that dollar. You know that 10% of your income is going to go to your foundation. So you should take that dollar, Rachel and Dave Hollis. You should take that money. So in their mind, this was all business and altruism. They were able, even in themselves, to couch this as we're helping people. And we're helping people. Yes, (laughs) We're helping them with our content and we're helping them by taking
1: their money. And because what we're doing with it is different. Yes. We're the exception. Right. And I think, um, so I'll probably talk about this on the podcast a lot, but I did dabble into coaching in like 2015, like career coaching. And one of the things I noticed is that I was like fairly decent at it, but it, it felt weird for me to charge. Cause it felt like these were conversations I would have with anyone over coffee or cocktail. Like I, you have, you're having work problems. Like I'll help you walk through this. Like right. I'll listen and be a good friend and then give you like the advice that I have, or just take it or leave it. But then I was charging people and they were happy to pay, but I felt terrible about it. I couldn't handle it. But what ended up happening is I got into the coaching world. And what I found is almost no coaches had real clients. It was coaches, coaching, coaches, coaching, coaches, coaches, like another so it was pyramid like, scheme. It was so you had like at the very top would be like the Rachel Hollis's, the people who had made millions of dollars, and they're coaching coaches that maybe have made half a million dollars, and the half a million dollar coaches were coaching the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar coaches, and the two hundred fifty. You know, so it's like it was it was literally this upline of coaches. And I remember being in a group once, and I I didn't do it because I I do like to stir the pot. I do have a devil's advocate like brain where I get these things where I'm like, oh, let's just, let's just poke the bear. But I didn't do it. But what I wanted to say in the group was, does anyone have a real client that is not a coach? Interesting. Because I didn't see it ever. And so the new coaches were getting preyed upon by the next level of coaches, but they only became the next level because they got a team of coaches that they're coaching. So when I see Dave and Rachel, it's like, that's what they did too. It's like, they all keep that money of like, it's a money grab. It's a money grab. So I will do it. And everything was focused on money. And I think that's the one shift that I'm hoping society is taking into this next decade is that the money grab is not as important anymore. It's like, yes, we need to make revenue and profit, but does the profit margin need to be so high that people are left with a bear, like a end product that doesn't work just because we had a nice profit margin. Right. So I think that's the thing is like the focus on money in the coaching industry is insane. You will see it. If you don't already see it, you're going to see it now. Everyone leads with money. I made six figures. I made seven figures. I can show you how, like they lead with money and I don't blame them for doing it because it gets views. It gets clicks. Like it is, it feeds the algorithm. That's what people want to hear. But then it's almost on us as consumers to suss out who's the person that's using that well, and they're well-intended versus the person that is really only focused on revenue. And well, that's what was hard with the Hollis's is that it was, re- it was very difficult to delineate. Right. And it's funny that you say that because so after
0: Rise Dallas, we had our Rise Dallas Facebook group and a lot of people after Rise Dallas and... One of the things that Rachel does at these conferences is this, and she's very big into it, even today, we're going to visualize, we're going to go through this meditation and we're going to figure out what it is that your best life looks like in 10 years. What does it look like? It's looking back for me. It was always money-driven. It was, hers was, I only fly private. You know, it started out. I only fly first class. I own a home in Hawaii. Um, I make X number of dollars a year. I have this many employees. All of that is money. All -hmm. of it's money. Um, I think she had like, I'm a good, I'm an exceptional mother and I'm an exceptional wife. We'll get there on her list. Um, And like, at one point I learned Spanish, but like, it's the majority of it was money driven. Mm -hmm. So we go through this mindfulness meditation exercise of figuring out what that looks like for all of us and we leave the conference and all of a sudden the facebook group is filled with people saying i'm going to start being a coach my goal is to be rachel hollis because no matter what you do and i think it's really hard to pull yourself out of the circumstance and med- truly have that kind of visualization meditation outside of the circumstances that you're in in that right. conference you're being fed the, your best self is with more money and the best person in this room is on that stage. Yeah. And so if, unless you're a really creative person or very, um, self-motivated and have a much clearer vision than a lot of the people that were there who are more vulnerable and there for a purpose, they're questioning their future. They need answers to what it looks like. Um, the, the cap that they're able to visualize is Rachel. It is the author in front of them. It is the person who's giving all the answers. So all of a sudden we've got authors and we've got coaches and we've got new groups being created because they're going to start. I was approached by multiple people to start doing their programs and things like that. It was just hilarious. Um, that that's what it was, it was just a circle.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what happens. And I, and I think You know, I was susceptible to that too. Like I wanted to be a life coach, but I, I, again, I always struggled with why would I charge money for something? I would just freely give. Right. Like if any person I know, it's just who I am. Like you want a coffee and you want to tell me your shit? Like, okay, let's go. Like I'm here for you. And the important part about that,
0: you can't scale friendship for money. You cannot scale vulnerability for money. You can't.
1: And I wasn't qualified, you know, it's like, the, the best I can give you is free advice. Cause I have no qualifications to give you right. anything more, anything right. more. Like, and even I looked at how to get certified and a lot of the schools were sketchy, a lot of the stuff was sketchy. So it was just like, even at its best, it looked bad, but I will go back to, um, kind of like how it changed me. I think for me, it made me a very critical person. Like I was very critical of myself. I was critical of my spouse I while you were still
0: following her.
1: Yeah. Because you are, cause she's very much like get on board or don't. And that all or nothing mentality. is very difficult in relationships, both friendships and partnerships, because it's, it's just a way to isolate yourself basically, which almost is funny now that I say that. Cause again, another cult tactic, like. You're isolating and you're making me loyal to you because, and the community that we have, because we are all in, but the people in our lives don't get it when really the people in your lives know you, they love you. They, they, they have seen you for your flaws and your, all of it, yeah, the whole system. The people that you're engaging with, with Rachel and online, they don't know you. They don't really know your life, like your day to day and seeing you walk through life. So it's very easy for them to in, like say anything to you and be on board with your changes because they don't live with you. <laughs> right. Versus your spouse who is like, and, and I have a wonderful, story. he's like, you do you, not me. <laughs> you do you. Right. But when you're in the Rachel world, you're told that's not enough. Right. And so you become kind of like this like oh my i like i look back now and i was like it's I was unfounded confidence unfounded yes. confidence but and also unfounded judgment like i was kind of nasty like oh well i'm better than you because i'm working on myself like i'm working Absolutely. hard and i'm going to achieve these 10 goals and da da, da da and like it's funny because the 3% thing really did bother me but at the same time like i get it too because when you and for those other, for those who don't oh, know yeah, the
0: sorry. 3% thing that she's referencing is when Rachel said that she wanted to be a a mogul and she got this tattoo on her arm that said mogul and she wanted to open up a media site. Dave Hollis, her then husband said, you have a 3% chance of succeeding. She then purchased and uh, had shipped to her house a bracelet that said 3%. And told her husband it was a gift from him and a reminder that he told her, you only have a 3% chance of succeeding. Ironically, not so ironically, purposefully now, the um, company that hosts both Rachel's podcast and Dave's podcast is called 3% Chance Media.
1: Right, right. So that 3% chance like that story kind of always I was like, "Ooh, that's really spiteful, but you know, as a wife sometimes it's nice to be proven right." <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things so it's like it was relatable enough. There were some red flags, but it was relatable enough. That when I experienced that pushback in my own life, I doubled down on Rachel instead of like the people that love me. <laughs> right, like the people that who have seen me through life and live with me. And I think you know, I was just so critical. I was a very critical person. But when I look back at who Rachel was, she's a very critical, judgmental person. And I became that. So it's hard. I think think
0: for her, I can't diagnose her. Obviously I don't know her personally, though. I think we all felt like we did. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, that is based in insecurity
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Be, because the, it's false bravado, false yeah, bravado. Absolutely. So which, for me, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, which makes sense that you have to have daily touch points and you have to have constant engagement because the lifespan of that is very short. So I have to keep giving you your push because I'm not like, right. like For instance, now I will probably talk about this in other episodes. Like I'm in, I did deep therapy, did EMDR, did inner child work with my therapist and has done like deep trauma therapy with her. And that has created lasting change. I don't have to do EMDR every appointment. I don't have to do deep work every appointment because doing deep work has like, I guess that's healing, right? It healed me. Whereas Rachel's work is just all bravado, all just push. Yeah. And so now, and so, but so that has a short lifespan though, That can only get you so far. So she's got to do a morning show. She's got to do constant conferences. She's got to do constant content because I have to keep feeding that bravado because I know that this is the only way that you will stay hooked on the line. One thing that it did for me, similar to you,
0: I had the exact same issues. I remember opening the refrigerator one day and my husband, Tim, had asked me a question. And he said, I, I gave him an answer and he was like, You're just so much more confident now. And I remember thinking that's what I wanted, but it wasn't confidence based off of action. It was confidence based off of the fact that I was given a rule book by a person and a brand, and I was following the rule book and I trusted the rule book and therefore I was crushing life. Yeah. Now, importantly, every other part of my life was falling apart. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Things were not All going of it well. it was
0: shutting down. <laughs> yeah. I was making no money.
1: No, it was I had worse. no friends. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And most importantly, and something I wanted to touch on is I have an autoimmune disease. I have Crohn's disease. And as I, so I was introduced 2018, 2019 is when I really jumped all in. It was the worst year health wise of my life. I lost 25 pounds. I couldn't eat. Um, we were constantly testing foods to see what was flaring everything up, but what was flaring everything up was the, in my opinion, the rule book was so strict. Any deviation was, oh, you're out. Like you haven't, you haven't gone all in. You're not chasing the fact that you're made for more. Um, Rachel's, you know, motto was you just, you have to show up every day There's a a video of her saying, you know, we all have the same 24 hours, all of us, you know, Mm -hmm. Beyonce has the same 24 hours as you do. We could all just, we could all just do it all in the same 24 hours, you know, save for the fact that we don't all have a nanny and a a housekeeper (laughs) and a husband that makes millions of dollars a year and that can buy us our multi million dollar homes and can fly private on jets to Hawaii every quarter or more, um, you know, except for all of that. We all have the same 24 hours. And so we're holding ourselves to a standard without the same resources, without the same support. And we can't, I could never meet the standard completely, which does that mean I'm not trying hard enough? So I was constantly in my head about how, how I wasn't succeeding, how, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just going to take a little bit longer. It's not, well, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's been a year. At what point do I start to see the return on this? And then as I'm doing that, my health is deteriorating. My health is deteriorating. And then January, 2020 comes around and I'm like, I, I, I got to figure something else out. This is, this isn't working. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And
0: I ended up trying some other things and then pandemic yeah. hits. <laughs> right, right. Then the pandemic hits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so do you want to start how you kind of got started when, when the cracks started to surface?
1: Yeah. I think for me, like, I remember watching the morning show and thinking something is not right here between Dave and Rachel only because I have been that mean wife that like snaps and, and like, but it's usually because I'm stressed out. Like I wasn't in a good place. Like early in our marriage, we both had jobs we hated and we used to snap a lot at each other and we had to realize it was the jobs and then it was impacting. And then we like figured it out. But I, I know what that behavior looks like is I've been there. And so okay. when I saw her doing it, I was like, that is not okay. In my head, I was like that. I know it's not okay. In my relationship, you know, like the music thing, like she was always talking about how loud he was and things like that. It's like, okay, when I pick on my husband about things like that, it's because he's really like, I'm stressed or like, it's just to the mat. Like it's not the music. Right? It's
0: all the stuff before that.
1: Yeah. There's a buildup to get there because you can kind of deal with little annoyances if you're in a good spot, but if you're not a good spot, it's like extreme. And then it was Dave all the time on the show while she was writing the book and I never got into Dave. I never, I thought he was kind of weird. He's not attractive to me. Like there was no appeal at all. I had like no appeal for Dave. And I felt like when he talked, he didn't say anything. He just liked to hear himself speak, um, okay. but he was generally nice. So I still watched the show because he was still generally positive and nice. Didn't say gave all. the behind. he still gave the behind yeah. the scenes on the life too, which yes. is that parasocial yes. part, that parasocial. So, and he would tell us a lot, what Rachel was doing and that's who I connected with. So I'd be like, Ooh, yeah, what's going on with Rachel and the kids, blah, blah, blah. And it was pandemic time. So I think all of us, actually, I found a research article that did show that during the pandemic, the early pandemic, the parasocial relationship became even more heavily relied upon by people for connection. So the morning show really felt like, and I'll I'll put that in the works cited of the podcast because I will never cite something and not tell you where it's from. But that was the connection. It was like it was my morning show because I wasn't seeing people in my real life. But anyway, so that was the beginning of the cracks. And then they did rise live and I remember being not that impressed. I was somewhat impressed, like it was fun, but then it was not that like, I didn't walk away with anything. I thought I would walk away with like this plan, right? This plan of action. Like, these are the steps I'm going to implement for like the next, for the rest of the year so that I could achieve those 10 things, like almost, which is what I do now, which is I set goals and then I reverse engineer how I'm going to achieve them and make them measurable and actionable and realistic and what I want for my life. So I thought I was going to walk away with that. So when I walked away and it was just basically like a hype weekend, I'm like, oh, okay. Right. Um, and then the divorce, I mean, the divorce for me, just the way that they were, I mean, I, I have a very bad memory. So forgive me if I get these timelines wrong, but I feel like they had a morning show like three days before they announced the divorce. Like it felt like, wait, we were just doing the morning show. We were just we're still doing a marriage podcast. I didn't never listen to the marriage. Cause again, I didn't like Dave, but I could say, I just, there was something I just couldn't do it. Um, so I never listened to that, but, um, and I think I've always been very sensitive about marriage content because I don't want it to impose on my marriage because I've had it happen before. And then it makes me unhappy in my marriage when I'm actually very happy in my marriage and I don't need other people's opinion. Like, so that's an aside. But yeah, so they were still doing the marriage podcast and they were still, and then it was like, boom, we're done. And it was so confused. And then, quite frankly, and I mean, I get having to do what you need to do in that situation because I'm a child of divorce. It's, it's horrible. Mine happened when I was an adult and it was still horrible, like having parents divorce when I was an adult, a young adult. Um, but I felt very abandoned by Rachel because we she like almost ghosted us. Right. And didn't address it. Didn't yeah, it, talk. Went,
0: it went from daily content, weekly podcasts, bi-weekly podcasts, mm-hmm. consistent rise conferences to look forward to, um, to, to nothing,
1: to nothing. And then Dave, Dave was the vocal one. Dave was the one out there, but again, I, I didn't care. I I didn't really care. (laughs) That sounds horrible maybe, but I really related to Rachel. So I felt like, and then it was also like, oh shit, like she is really going through something. She's trying to be respectful of her kids. I should respect that boundary, but like, hey, you have acted like you are our friend for so long. What the fuck basically.
0: Right.
1: And then it was like, oh, you actually aren't, who you say you are that's when it started well and then I actually started looking into her and seeing that she's been plagiarizing from almost the very beginning and that is well documented and it has been and and then it she
0: I will say too she is very
1: she would um
0: discuss criticisms of her through while I followed her and it was always you know Haters are gonna hate. I don't listen to those criticisms. You know, so she would she would address things, but like I remember her crying on a morning show because she had misspelled a quote from somebody. And that was as far as she went, and so far as addressing the haters. And it was a misspelling. It was never talking about plagiarization or anything like that.
1: Yeah. And 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 I think what was so I think what was difficult is in her silence started the deconstruction. The deconstruction then started happening while she was silent right which was probably good honestly but it just opened up a whole world where it was like i i had to deal with a lot of like i felt so dumb because at no point did i ever google her like to to see what the other side was saying you know it was like i never critically looked at her i am i am i mean you know this about me but i get consumer reports magazines I read reviews for products I buy all the time, but when it came to like having a coach in my life or something, I didn't read the reviews. I didn't even Google she had built such a relationship with her audience, with her people that I didn't even Google. And like, I, I don't, I, this will be on the first episode. So people will get this if you've listened to the first episode, but if you haven't, I have a master's degree. I am educated. I am thing. that's the thing is the thing, it's like, I'm not a dumb person. But I am everyone is able to be manipulated if they are spoken to in the right way and given what they need at a time of press the right buttons. Yes. That and, and a promise of something I was looking for. Like I, I do want to be made for more. Like I do want right. to do more with my life. I do want to be a speaker. I do want to be like now I am a content creator. You know, I always wanted those things that Rachel was doing. Um, I, so I thought she had like the answers and she did not right. And then when she hit the fan, she disappeared. And then when she came back, it was complete neglect.
0: That yeah, was a different, it was a different situation completely.
1: Yeah. So there was no, she didn't address it. I think that's where it really fell through for me is when she came back, right. there was like no talking about it. And then she was the victim and we weren't victims too. Right. And we were, we were misogynistic. We were coming after her because she got a divorce, which was not true. It wasn't because she got a divorce. It was because of what she did bef- about her marriage before the divorce. It, it, the divorce is fine. She could have led us to that. I think her community would have stuck with her if she had done a walkthrough, like had been, she shared everything else, share that shit. Like, but, and now she is sharing that shit. So at first she was like acting like she was being protective she wasn't being protective she was being protective of her but not us and not her right. kids so there's just all this deconstruction that we're both going through now but i think that was what really when she came back and she was doing her book tour and she was talking a lot about her brother and she was talking about her life but ne- completely neglecting what had just ha- like transpired in her community and saying almost disparaging things about the community I was like, Oh, you are a grifter and you only care about money in yourself. Yeah. So that was it for me. So how about for you? How, how did it kind of like crack open for you?
0: So there, because I had been following so long and so deep, there were different areas looking back where it was like, Oh, this was, this was a crack. One of them was, um, she was discussing one day the made for more Facebook group. And a lot of these, maybe the people who are listening are like, really, that was an issue. But like just walk with me for a second. (laughs) Um, there was a made for more Facebook group and you think about it. I want to say there was maybe 90,000 or more women in this Facebook group. Wow. So, and a lot of them, you think about who's following Rachel, vulnerable women, people going through a tough time, new moms, new wives, um, whoever multi-level people who just gone into multi-level marketing. Um, and, She uh, went on the morning show, I want to say one day, and was like, I went into the Facebook group and all of you women are complaining. And that is not what this Facebook group is for. We have a positive environment. And like, you have to figure out how to not just go in there and complain. We're not, that's not what this is for. And people weren't complaining. And it, it was never complaining about Rachel. People were going in there and asking for actual advice. They wanted I'm going through this tough time. You know, I got, just got diagnosed with cancer or I just lost my job or I'm having this problem disciplining my child. That's, that's not negativity. That is real life. Yeah. And you've created a community where people are supposed to feel safe, to feel safe and, um, and and vulnerable and people are. And then you're saying, but not like that, too negative. Um, so that was one crack. And another was when I went to the conference um, one of the things that she promotes is, you know, if you see someone eating alone, you know, they're no longer eating alone. They're your new best friend. So one of the things that she does in her rise conferences is she really promotes this idea of community. And if you see someone eating alone, like, no, you didn't, they're your new best friend. And something really felt off to me about the idea that just because 4,000 of us are in the same room. I'm now immediately vulnerable with this person. Mm-hmm. It felt very weird. There was an exercise where we like wrote down something that was really hard for us and deep and personal. And we turned to the person next to us to talk about it. We didn't Ooh. know this person. It didn't. And I love the person that I spoke to. Like, no, not right, on her, right. but like we don't, Steph and I are very good friends. We yeah. have developed a very good friendship. We go to each other for a lot of things are deeply personal, vulnerable, but that took time. I didn't find oh, yeah. Steph one day, get her phone number, and was like, "I'd and like you- to share." That's that's called trauma dumping. Yes, yeah, it's called trauma dumping, and it's well, it's healthy. also
1: false. It's false vulnerability. Like uh, what right. you you talk about it with Bernie Brown. She has a term right. for it. Um, what is it called? I don't. Well, can't was. remember. I don't know. Everyone should go listen to Brené Brown, you know, credential, credential, yes. professional. Um, Who listen- studied this for decades, but it's, yeah, it's a, but it's, it's, it's a, a connectivity. It. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's, We're it's, accelerating the relationship. It's like putting high octane fuel into the tank for a relationship and driving a Ferrari on the interstate at a thousand miles per hour.
0: But it doesn't work is the point. It doesn't work. It it's not sustainable.
1: It's not work. real.
0: It's, it's like a, when it's, you. It's, yeah, you can't it. Uh, the that. enemy of my enemy is my friend type of a deal where you mm-hmm. start commiserating about, um, it's like a, it's like a bypass. Yes. But it's not, it doesn't work. It's not true vulnerability. No. Um, so that was another issue that I had and people can research the rise conferences. There's many, um, many concerns that people have around about that, including the fact that there is a lot of trauma discussed, but no therapist provided. Um, yes. That, that aside, so we enter 2020, we're in the pandemic. Another thing that I really relied on Rachel for different than you is marriage advice. Um, heavily, I really took to heart what she said about, you know, telling Dave, I'm on this self-help train. If you don't get on it in two years, I'm going to outgrow you. And I don't know that we're going to be in a marriage together. We'll always have these kids, but I don't know that we're going to be in a marriage together. I was in this room when I told that exact same line to my husband my husband said, are you looking to divorce me? And I was like, I don't know, but you better, better get on the train buddy, because you know, I'm, I'm moving to my best self and people can judge me for that. I judge myself, but, um, 2020 rolls around. And so we're listening, in fact, I specifically remember going and picking up wine from Rombauer <laughs> and, um, listening That's to Heather favorite, Everyone sponsored,
1: not sponsored, <laughs> not sponsored, um, but, but eventually, but, Rombauer. but
0: But we're open. <laughs> yes, um, very open. So we were driving to go get wine during the pandemic, listening to this podcast. And it was one of the last ones that they, they did. And they were talking about like, what's something that hurt you or something you could change about the other person. And I'm like, Sounds horrible. Yes. And he, Dave is crying on the podcast. No. But I'm like, we should we should do this. We need to oh, figure no. out what we would. I don't know that we actually did the exercise. Okay, just listen to it.
1: I'm like, but, hey Heather, let's go. Let's start this now. So tell me what you would change about me.
0: <laughs> right, it's a horrible idea. It's horrible. So we get um we get through the pandemic well we get into the pandemic uh continue to take marriage advice continue to follow and then the rise live event happens so rachel was uh very proud of the fact that she was one of the first people to do a live event uh after the pandemic hit she wanted to be one of the first to market and she was um another thing with her rise conferences is if you listen to her content her free content all that's all the rise conference that's it there was nothing more on rinse and repeat yeah yeah. Like there's no new, like no, what she said in
1: 2018 is what she said in 2020. Like, it is
0: Yes. In fact, there was fake. a, there was a public statement that they had made on like a morning show that they had to intentionally try to change some of the content because so many people were com- coming back. There were so many repeat rise attendees. It was like, um, yeah, it was like merch. It was live merch. Yeah. People wanted access. Um, so when the, When the RISE event happened, that was May. And I noticed that some people that I've become friends with or friendly with through this community had posted, you know, I didn't attend this. This was the first RISE conference. I didn't attend Rachel. And what are you going to do about what what happened? And I didn't understand what was going on. And I looked into it and realized that Rachel had plagiarized Maya Angelou, um, Still I RISE, on her Twitter, cross posted it on Instagram and was called out pretty heavily. She finally addressed it after the conference. I believe I'm not quite sure what the timeline was, but it was an, I'm sorry. And someone from my team did this and I wasn't aware. Yeah. That- mm-hmm. And I'm f- fairly certain someone was let go around that same time that managed her social media and sweet girl very someone sweet someone we
1: all um, loved and adored but right and
0: okay. continue to yeah oh yeah continue to um yeah. and so someone got thrown under the bus for that mm-hmm. and that was the first recognizable like this is not I can yeah. get past some things but something does not feel right about this I, I learned that there was a once I learned that someone was let go yeah. Um, cause mistakes can happen, but how you handle the mistakes is more important to me than the mistake itself. And yeah. And if they continue to happen, uh, when the divorce was announced, I still remember where I was. I remember, uh, I was on a walk. Obviously the pandemic was going on. I believe it was June. It was post George Floyd being murdered mm-hmm. and Rachel was silent
1: and like
0: Dave had made a post, and I went on that post and was like, "Where is Rachel? We need to know that she is, you know, on the side of justice in this situation." It was very hard to deny at that point what had occurred. Yeah, um, the video proof, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: So a lot of people yeah, I mean, she was completely that. silent. Like silent. No, on yeah, everything. there was like, no black like, box. Yeah but she performative. Kept, but, but there was a few social posts. And I think that's why some of us got really mad because she would put po- like, there was just a few, like a trickle. She would trickle some social. I don't posts even know that it. she was posting. Really? I remember that there was one and everyone got mad. Cause it was like, you post about like your breakfast or something. Well, but there was anyway. so the first post that she had after was the bowl of tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah, I knew it was some kind of food. It's like you post about food, but you're not posting about George Floyd. But the or tomatoes anything. was about George Floyd. Oh. I was so done. <laughs> was so yeah. Done. The tomatoes were I had Googled you know, and gone down the rabbit hole that I was like, I'm out. done.
0: Yeah. So that the post was, you know, just as I grew these tomatoes in my own yard, I was grown in an environment that, you know, so she tied the whole thing to homegrown tomatoes.
1: Yeah. Blame um, everyone else, but but don't take responsibility. Blame your environment. She, blame, right. blame anything. Blame your privilege. Uh, you can blame it, but you have to take responsibility. But there's no
0: accountability, right? Yeah. So then the divorce gets announced, and that's when the shattering happened for me. And I'm like, this is this is beyond what I understand. This isn't like a white influencer just staying silent during a a social uprising in America. This is a intentional um. Strategy. I'm not quite sure. I don't know what's going on here, but nothing makes sense. They were just talking in April on their podcast about how their marriage is the best it's ever been. And none of it made sense. And that's when I started looking at other people's content about Rachel, but notably, notably, none of the people, at least in my, my recollection were former fans. Yeah. Not like no. what you referenced in the beginning. Yeah. Everybody very- was
1: they were critical like snarkers. Of, yeah.
0: Every yeah. Everybody was critical of Rachel the entire time. Not like for a course right. rabbit they were always critical.
1: Yeah. So uh um, they were those people that now I, I'm i trying to learn to be where they sniffed her out in like 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they they sniffed they that so fast. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh I, and teach, see, for me, teach me some of that, please. I just need a little bit of that in my life. <laughs> I think for me it's a I I want to find
0: the middle. Where yeah, the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Middle. Where I, I definitely, I don't want to be so vulnerable and needy and insecure that I'm trying to find an answer.
1: Right. But I also
0: don't want to be, um, so sure of myself than nothing that I don't, I don't listen to anybody.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, there, so- yeah. there's a, <laughs> I think for me, it's just, I just want to get better at my radar. I think like, okay. Like, well, and I think what I, we have learned, what I have learned in this is, especially now working so much in social media is I, I'm going to like coin this term of just like go three steps deep, like just do three steps of research, like just do three things of research, just like at least Google them, at least ask somebody who maybe has worked with them. Like, what does the work product look like? Like get a free sample, like just get three like data points that are not from that person extra, like someone externally to like validate, especially when you're working in like personal services and like when someone is offering something that's a little more intangible than like a product, you know, like this mug, right? Like this is so a copyright stuff, three steps deep. Yeah. Three steps. Deep. Three steps yeah. Deep. Deep. <laughs> just go three steps deep. It's just like, that's my new consumer advocate thing. It's the thing that it's just a, it's a, like a tidbit I put in my brain to make me stop Right. When I see good marketing, that's good. essentially like when that's I get good. served a really good Facebook ad, and I go click to buy like someone's new program or template or whatever or course. Which now I'm so skeptical of courses that that won't happen. But my brain always goes like, okay, they sell they sold you a really good ad, but you need to do your own research. Three steps deep. Yeah, get out of there. Go three
0: steps deep. <laughs> so 2020, I started this after all of that happened. I continued to consume Rachel's content with that critics viewpoint of like, yeah, now I want to know what you're going to say. Now I want to know how you're going to try to sell this. And she did. She wrote a book about her divorce, Uh, the pandemic, edited it after she went through this divorce. Um, She would, there were podcasts that I listened to at the end of that year where she was blaming her. Audience's disappointment in the divorce on misogyny and deep rooted Christianity that felt like divorce was not acceptable. I want to go on record that I was extremely disappointed in the way that the divorce was presented, the way that the marriage was sold. And I have zero problem with anybody getting a divorce. And the reason she also got, went on to say that Dave wasn't getting nearly the amount of hate that she was, or criticism. And part of the reason is what you're hearing. Steph wasn't very into Dave. I wasn't necessarily very into Dave. He was tangential to Rachel. The person that we were following was Rachel. The person that we trusted for the wife's input and advice on how to have an exceptional marriage was Rachel. She didn't have a male following, uh, to my knowledge. So I listened to this, um, to, to her further podcasts on other people's podcasts and her, um, trying to sell the book and her podcasts. Um, and one of the things that popped up is that she was going to try to sell rise and she's got a number in her head. And that was another data point for me that was like, this was always about the money. This was always about the money. Maybe helping people was, a benefit, but i don't yeah. think that was the primary motivation or goal no.
1: um
0: and then the the deconstruction journey continued into 2021 where we got into toilet gate and mm-hmm. that you know i someone told her in a live after she started trying to promote her uh may 2021 rise conference that, that um she wasn't relatable and that she was privileged And so her response to that was going on TikTok and saying, you think I want to be relatable? You think I want to be relatable? And of course, her entire brand was relatability.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. Which is a nod to why we chose the podcasting that we did. Because, you know, that, that was it. That was what sold us all—is that she's the girl next door, she's the big sister, she's been through it, and she's going to tell you how to get through it too. And um, that's when I made my first TikTok, and when the community that we have over there was born. Yeah,
1: so yeah, it's been a journey. It, yeah, and then yeah, it's just been—it's it's still a journey. Um, I mean, especially what's going on now, which we'll talk about in part two. And just kind of the other stories we're hearing. And then now where they're at and now getting more information about what was going on behind the scenes that we didn't know. Right. Cause I, I think it, it's the same for me. I, my parents are divorced. I used to tell my parents to divorce when I was a child because I knew they shouldn't have been married. You know, it was just like, this is not working. Y'all should just leave. Like, so I, I see now how especially when I was watching the morning show, like, okay, divorce might be better for both of them. And then I, like I said, I never wrote, read the books. So I didn't know how their their marriage started or their relationship started until I deacon, was like, she went silent and I started Googling her and then people were calling out how predatory the beginning of her relationship was with Dave. So then I was like, Oh, well, if that's the case, then like, I'm glad she's not in a relationship that was founded on like a predator, like a very not stable foundation. That's not a good start for any relationship. It's hard to recover from something like that, you know, to create a stable relationship. So in my head, I was like, you know, if you just look at it like that, great, good for you, make the right decision for yourself, your kids, your family. But when you tie in everything she did of like bringing us in, telling us she had the answers. She's the big sister. She's there for us. She's relatable. She's like, not only am I your big sister, but I have a wonderful marriage. I'm going to tell you all about it. And I'm going to make out with him and I'm going to be all over him. And I I remember one time she was like flashing him while he was on a call. Like that was a big thing that she did during like zoom. She like flashed him and as a joke. And like, I think it was on her Instagram stories. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, that's kind of like, uh, I, there's a snarky comment I can make, but I'm not going to make it. I just remember seeing Dave's face and being like, he doesn't look that interesting. But, <laughs> terrible, terrible. I don't know. Everyone's different. Maybe he was. Yeah. He, his heart, it. I didn't like him. He so also had to was, maintain
0: like, a face for Zoom.
1: Yeah. His face was always making faces that I didn't understand. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it really didn't. Um. So yeah, it was just things like that, where it was just like, I'm killing it. And I want you to kill it too. And then just kidding, not only just kidding, but like F you for coming after me and not him. And it's like, right. I, now, I you, com- now
0: not only do you have all of these things that i told you you need to work on, you yes. now need to work on your misogyny.
1: And also to be fair to her, there was a lot of comments on her Instagram that were terrible.
0: Agreed. And continue and- to be.
1: Yes, and I think she's taking that data point and extrapolating it against her entire community. When I would say most of her community doesn't feel that way, right. the community that she abandoned doesn't feel that way. I mean, there—I I can't speak for everybody, but for most of the people I've talked to and heard from, it's the setup that we went through. We went through this setup, and then it was like pulled the rug. I have—I have,
0: I have heard—I've heard from a lot of people who are have jumped off of the Hollis train.
1: And, um,
0: I have not heard one person who just didn't believe in divorce and that's why they were, Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Like I, I saw that comment on her Instagram, right. But I've never heard it from anyone who like has said, they were a former fan. And so it's, it's just kind of, you know, part of me wonders is, are those people from when she used to speak at churches that are commenting, but not anyone who ever spent any money with her. And it's a good reminder
0: that she, her father was a, uh, I think it was Pentecostal pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, they were very, I mean, very into the church so that it could be a, a, just a lens in which she'd use it, but who knows? Yeah.
1: But it's just, it's just frustrating to me to take such a small sample size from your Instagram. You're taking the worst comments on your Instagram and then extrapolate against all of us. And, but that's the best way to sell it. Well, true. And then, well, and it's always all about her, which is always my point It's like, you always have to view her activities that her motivation is for her always.
0: Yeah. And one, to that point, uh, one last thing I want to say before we go is something that Rachel has said over and over again is, um, if this just reaches one person, and this is what I want to hit on in the next part is if this just reaches one and helps one person, it's worth it. So my follow-up question to that is, but how many people are you willing to hurt in the process of helping one? How many people is it okay to, to you know, we, we all have to take accountability for the part that we played in believing her and following her blindly and allowing her into our lives. Me included, you included, uh, anybody who is in that included. But you crafted, marketed this, brand as you call it now um to to get vulnerable people so if you're just wanting to help one person how many vulnerable at-risk women are you willing to hurt in the process
1: right and my take on that which you know and we will talk a whole lot more in part two is that one person is always her right
0: the one person that
1: benefits without a doubt 100 percent of the time yeah Mm-hmm. is always her. She's always the one person. Cause she, she, which we will talk about in part two, but she lately is starting almost every podcast with, I don't hear anybody talking about this. And I know I need someone to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about this. And I'm like, well, then you're the one, you're the one person that needs this. And
0: also people have talked about it over and over again.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And you're not unique actually. It's just you. you yeah. We'll talk a lot about part two. Cause like, she's not even using Google lately. Like she's not even Google. <laughs> You know, it was her claim to fame that you can just Google things and learn. Um, So we, we will,
0: uh, we will be following this up. We might even have to make a part three. We'll have to see, we'll have to, yeah,
1: we'll see where this goes. So just, we wanted to share and people to kind of hear how this evolved for us, how, how we got in, how, what it was like in it. And then what it was like out just to get that perspective out first. Before we start going into kind of more the technical, the strategies that we're seeing now, the manipulation, um, the lies, really, and then uh, the community, because that is our purpose. I know we have created a podcast, but the podcast is for the community. You know, we are creating content because this is helpful for us, but we're creating this content to be helpful for others who have endured this journey too, or who are curious. And right. a cautionary tale. <laughs> yeah. Because there will be another Rachel Hollis. Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're, all, they're already out are there. Yeah. They're, they're out there. They're there and they're ready uh, to pounce. Yeah. And there are vulnerable women who need community and we haven't figured out in society how to help each other in that way without, um, making money off of each other.
0: Right. Especially with MLMs,
1: of- <laughs> with coaches, like we haven't, uh, it's just kind of disheartening that I feel like we haven't created like female communities that are safe spaces as much as it can be like you know just good supportive communities where we don't then pry on each other in some way both with join my mlm or you need this life coach or just let us be let us be yeah we're whole as we are yes yeah we're good
0: so we have to do all the things right we're asking them to subscribe
1: yes Make sure you subscribe to the youtube um subscribe to the yeah where yeah we'll just wherever it is yes um give us a review if you want to that's how people find us that's how we get ranked which i don't really care that much i just want the people who need us to find us but we'll be on spotify we'll be on apple Podcasts. so you know subscribe to all those follow all of those and um share this with someone if someone was on that journey with you. Share it with them. Get the message out. That's really what we're here for. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys.